Hello, thank you for joining the Camden First Assembly broadcast. We are so excited to share the Word of God with you today, believing that this Word is exactly what He has for your life. So, stay tuned for today's message, and as always, remember, there's a place for you at Camden First Assembly. And I know we're getting really, really close to Christmas, and I know that a lot of times we, we pastors preach a, a Christmas-themed series or message series or event series, and I'm not doing any of that. I'm just going to preach to you what the Holy Spirit's put on my heart for us today, all right? And so I'm going to just be obedient to him, and we're just going to do it the way he wants to. Actually, yes, we're going to Joshua. Laurie's Laurie's looking at me going, Joshua. Yeah, we're going to Joshua, actually. Joshua chapter 24. We've moved from the from the front part of the book to the very last part of the book. We're headed to Joshua chapter 24, and the joke with that is is I've been preaching a lot out of the book of Joshua. Um, But man, I just the Holy Spirit's just been showing me some incredible things that I just feel like are for us, for us as as the church, as the body of Christ, and I feel like um, it's important for us. And I cannot get away from this message. I tried for two weeks. I have tried to get away from this message. Um, but every time, our, our guest that we had on Wednesday night, he preached right through the middle of my message. And, I mean, I, I got done with that, and then I stopped by the church yesterday afternoon. Haley and I were taking care of a few last-minute things um, for today, and we had gone to El Dorado to get some stuff for the photo booth, and we had come back, and uh, Loretha and Pastor Austin, they had had uh, fine arts practice, and they started going through and telling me all of the different scenes that they've been doing, that they've been working on for their human video you're going to love it. They're going to do it um, in the beginning of next year. We'll have them do it here at the church. It's a powerful, powerful uh, drama of just the Word of God in action. And so excited. But the scenes that she was sharing were the scenes that I'm preaching about this morning that I was talking about. So I, I, wish, we had, I wish we had that done so that I could put them to work this morning and, uh, and have them act that out. But I want to talk to us from from Joshua chapter 24, and the title of my message this morning is, We Only Serve One. We Only Serve One. Tell your neighbor, I only serve one. Tell your neighbor, I only serve one. We live in a culture, we live in a society today, we live in an environment today where it is easy for us to serve ourselves more, more so than it is to serve the one that really matters. It's easier for us to serve ourselves than it is to serve those around us. It's easier for us to keep our focus and attention on us rather than our focus and attention on the one who created us. And in the culture and the society that we live in today, the constant pressure and chaos of life, all the responsibilities, all of the expectations, those we know that we have that are put on us and those expectations that we just... Um, unconsciously put on ourselves the pressure, the responsibility, the goals, the dreams, the aspirations that we have, the attention and the focus that we put, it doesn't take very long before every single moment, every single day of our life is spent with us trying to serve ourselves. (laughs) And and, and the the thing that we have to understand is that serving ourselves is not always a conscious decision. Serving ourselves isn't always us waking up in the morning and say, today is all about me. I hope it's not. 
It's not, a, it's not always a matter of us waking up and deciding today, today is all about me and everything's going to be about me and everything's going to be for me and everything's going to be done to better me and it's all about me. We don't, we don't wake up in the morning with that mindset or that mentality, but oftentimes the reflection, the actions that we have end up demonstrating that effect, that effect. and not that it's a selfish decision of I'm here to only serve myself, but it's in the interest of trying to make it through the day trying to achieve the goals, trying to achieve the dreams, trying to reach the promise that we suddenly begin to gravitate towards making everything happen so that we can just get done instead of realizing that we were created for so much more. The enemy would like for you and I to buy into the lie that we are not here to, that we are not here to serve God, that we are not here to serve the kingdom of heaven, that we're not here to serve the king of kings, the lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth, but that rather we're here to make a name for ourselves, that we're here to leave a legacy, that we're here to make a difference and an impact through our own means and our own abilities. But the truth is, is that God created each and every one of us not to just leave a legacy that this world can be proud of, but to leave a legacy of spiritual heritage that makes an impact from generation to generation, that when people hear your story, that when people hear my story, that they know that we loved God, that we served Him faithfully, and that we experienced the fulfillment of His Word and His promise and the power of it in our lives, that every moment that we said yes to Jesus, that every moment that we followed His plan, that every moment that we choose to serve Him above ourselves, the moment that we choose to serve Him beyond anybody or anything else, was the moment that it defined who we were, not just for generations, but for eternity. Tell your neighbor, I only serve one. If we're not careful, what happens in this life is we begin to serve not the one, but we begin to serve ourselves. When we begin to serve ourselves, we begin to serve the things of this world. We begin to focus our attention, our expectations, our desires, our time, and our energy on the things that meet what we think bring fulfillment in our lives. And what happens is, is through that lie of the enemy, through that trap of the enemy, we end up robbing ourselves of the blessings of God's presence, of the power of His Word, and the promises that He has for us. And we begin to experience this unsettling we begin to experience this desperation. We begin to experience this loneliness. We begin to experience this fear. And we begin chasing everything else that we think will bring us peace. Everything else that we think will give us hope. Everything else that we think will bring us love. All the while still feeling the void inside of us growing deeper and deeper and deeper. Friends, can I tell you this morning, there's only one thing that will give you and I hope. There's only one thing that will bring us peace. There's only one thing that will give us true love, and His name is Jesus. And when we say yes to Him, and when we live our lives to serve Him, we position ourselves to experience the fulfillment of His plan and His promises in our lives. His Word reminds us that He has a plan for us. His Word reminds us that we were fearfully and wonderfully made. His Word reminds us that He has good gifts that He wants to give us, greater than the gifts that any person on this planet could ever give us. I wonder what 
what would happen in our lives if we would live every day to serve the one. If we would wake up in the morning and instead of worrying about what we have to deal with today, instead of worrying what we have to face tomorrow, instead of being overwhelmed by the difficulty and the circumstances of our situation, if we get up in the morning and say, Jesus, I'm here. Send me. Jesus, I'm here. Send me. Jesus, I'm here to serve you. God is all about you and nothing else. What happens in our life is we begin to chase after everything other than the one that can make the difference. The one that can bring change. The one that can bring transformation. The one that is bigger than the problems and the situations and the circumstances that we face in our life. This morning, church, we must only serve one. This definition of serve, it's important to understand the context of what it is that Joshua is, and understand the depth of what this word means and its actual translation and the words that Joshua spoke. And I want us to look at that this morning in Joshua chapter 24. And let's begin, let's see here. Let's begin in verse number 14. If you, haven't, if you haven't read this story in a long time, or maybe you've never read it before, that's okay. I challenge you this afternoon, go back and start at Joshua chapter 24. If you have a lot of time, start at Joshua chapter 1. If you have a whole lot of time, start at Genesis and read to Joshua chapter 24. All right? It takes a little bit of time, but it'll, it'll, it'll bless your life. Joshua chapter 24, verse number 14. For the sake of time this morning, I'm going to start there. It says this, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord, to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people and there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you're untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people 
each to their own inheritance. Heavenly Father, I pray in the next few moments of time that you would speak to us from your word, that, Lord, you would bring fresh revelation from heaven, that, God, we would hear exactly what we need from you today. Lord, I pray that you would restore hope, that you would restore peace, that you would restore your love and your joy in the hearts and lives of your people today. God, I pray that as we read your word, as we dive in to what you have for us, that, Lord, you would heal sick bodies, that you would restore broken hearts, that, God, you would heal those who are going through the most uh, unimaginable circumstances of life. God, I pray those that are facing difficult decisions, that, Lord, today you would unleash the wisdom of heaven, that, God, you would give them fresh ideas, fresh perspective, your perspective on the situations that are in front of them, and that you would grant your favor, open doors, God, and lead us into everything that you have for us so that we can continue to see your kingdom come and your will being done. Lord, we give you all of the glory and honor and praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The word serve that Joshua uses in this passage of Scripture, it's important for us to understand the meaning and the difference of it. It's not just in the terms of service of what we think as when we go to a restaurant and somebody serves us or waits on us at a table. It's not just that level of service. The service is that of worship. The service is that of priority. The service of that is almost, and, and oftentimes the same word in the Hebrew is oftentimes used as one who is a slave. If you understand the depth of what that means to say we will serve the Lord, it's making a conscious decision to say, God, I am all yours and nobody else's. I willingly surrender. I willingly choose to give you my life in service to you. I give you everything that I am. Serving the Lord is a big deal. Serving the Lord is a big deal because it's the moment when we decide that we are going to serve the Lord. It's the moment that we decide that whatever else we had planned is no longer how it's going to go. <laughs> All my planners in the room said, dear Jesus, help us, Lord. If you love a plan, following Jesus is going to drive you crazy. You have to, as a planner, as a planner, most planners, we can be okay if the plan is that there is no plan. And if there's no plan, that's okay. For all those who, you're not planners, you don't have to plan everything out from start to finish. You're like, here I am, let's go. Whatever happens, happens. I envy you. Because when it comes to saying yes to Jesus, when the unexpected happens, it's that I, I feel like Paul wasn't a planner. I feel like before he had his Damascus Road encounter, he was a planner. And that moment after he said yes to Jesus, it was just whatever happens. Because only a non-planner could be in the deepest, darkest prison cell, having been humiliated in front of everyone, and at midnight be singing praises to God instead of complaining to God. Whatever God wants, it's the moment of surrender in our lives. It's serving the Lord. It's the moment of saying, God, whatever you want, however you want it. Because friends, I'll tell you, when we say yes to Jesus, when we go all in with God, there will be some unexpected. There will be some unimaginables. There will be some moments where we say, God, this was really part of your plan. This was really what you wanted from me. This was really what you were asking. But when we have that moment with God, when we come to that decision with the king, that we say, God, I'm here to serve you and nobody else. 
It's the moment that we open ourselves up for not only the fulfillment of His plan and His purposes and His destiny in our life, but that we position ourselves to experience, this, experience the promises of it. Last week, as, as our missionary was sharing about all of the things about sacrificing and saying yes to God and going through all of that, the only thing the Holy Spirit kept reminding me was about the promises that are attached to His Word, about the moment of saying yes to God, of serving Him. Friends, I can tell you, while it may cost you something to say yes to Jesus today, God will always bless you greater than you ever could have on your own. There's nothing compared to saying yes to God. Because when we serve Him, we position ourselves under the covering of His wing. We position ourselves under the protection of heaven. We position ourselves. I tell people this all the time and they think I'm crazy, but I tell them, anytime I buy a new vehicle, I pray over it. Anytime I buy a new house, I pray over it. Do you know why? Because I firmly believe that the place that I live and the vehicle that I drive, because I've said yes to Jesus and what he wants for my life, it belongs to the king. And can I tell you, the king doesn't drive broken down vehicles. And the king doesn't drive houses that are falling apart. He doesn't live in houses that are falling apart. He might drive houses, I don't know. That'd be fun. We'll have to see what happens. He doesn't live in houses that are falling apart. Does it mean that I won't have car trouble? No. Does it mean that I won't have house issues? No. But what it does mean is that when I do, the king has a solution. And when I put everything that I have, it's the reason that I tithe. It's the reason that I say yes, that I give when he says give, that I do when he says do. Because what happens in that moment is I'm positioning myself in the place of the king, and the king has everything I need. And it takes the pressure off of my life of trying to make it happen on my own. When we only serve one, when we serve the king above everything else, we position ourselves in the blessings and the benefits of being his. Joshua made this declaration. They've gone in. They've conquered one people group after the next. And the land that God had promised, they're taking possession of the land. And, and are near the end of, that, of the time that God had positioned Joshua as leader. And so he reminds them again. He reminds them again of the covenant promise. And he tells them, you must choose who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will say yes to whatever God has for us. I'm here to tell you this morning, church, I'm here to serve one. I'm here to serve one. Serving one is not always popular. Serving the one is not always easy. Serving the one is not always, is not always a fan favorite among everyone else. Serving the one isn't always, isn't always uh, the most appealing on the surface. But can I tell you that when we say yes to God, <laughs> there's something that happens in our life that begins to position us for the miracles, that begins to position us for the blessings, that begins to position us for the encounters that He had destined for our lives from the very beginning. Number one this morning in serving the one, number one, we must choose who we will serve. We must choose who we will serve. I was praying over this message, and I, and I, got, to, I got to really thinking about this whole concept. And when it comes to serving, you really have to be intentional about it. Serving, serving doesn't always come naturally. Because serving requires us to submit ourselves, to surrender ourselves, or to sacrifice our preferences, the preferences that we have for ourselves, over the person that it is that we're called to serve. 
Now, for some of us, if, 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 how many of you have ever read the book The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? It's a great book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. I tell anybody who's getting married, read that book. <laughs> it will save you so much because it helps you understand everybody, everybody has different ways in which they experience, in which ways they encounter love. Some of us are acts of service. Some of us are physical touch. Some of us are words of affirmation. Uh, some of us are gift giving. I have the hardest time with gift giving. It was I had zero when I took the test. There was I had nothing there. It's so hard. Christmas time when it's time to buy gifts, I'm like Jesus. Send Gabriel with a message on what it is that I'm supposed to get. I just don't know what to do. Just let me wash your dishes and clean your house, okay? That's my my love language is is it's acts of service. And so for some of us, our love language is acts of service. We love to do things for people. We love to jump in there and do those things. But even in that, there are moments where when it comes to serving, serving requires us to set aside our preference and what we would prefer in order to serve the other person, in order to serve those around us. And the same is true with God. There are moments that God will challenge us to do things. There are moments that God will call us to do things. And it would not be our preference. It would not be our desire. It would not be the position that we want, would want to take. But if we'll say yes and we'll humble ourselves, if we'll say yes and submit ourselves, then we'll position ourselves for the blessing that he has for us. (laughs) I love it when the Holy Spirit tells me to do something that I don't want to do. You ever been there? Yeah. He tells you, you're like, "Mm -mm -mm, mm -mm, nope. I don't, I don't. Can you say that again? (laughs) Can you give me, listen, (laughs) that's how I felt about this message. I said, Lord, I don't want to preach that message that Sunday. Can I just tell you? He cared, but he didn't care that much. Because he sent a preacher and a fine arts coach to remind me of what it was that I was supposed to preach. He reminded me what I was supposed to be doing. He reminded me of what I was supposed to be taking care of. There are moments in our life where when we have what we want to do and what God wants to do, they don't line up. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. We can trust him and serve him as we said we wanted to, or we can do it our own way. But can I tell you, every time I've done it my own way, it never ends well. It never ends well. It's like mom and dad telling you to do it one way, and then you do it another. (laughs) Mm -mm. That never ends well either. You're grounded. (laughs) You're grounded, and uh, anyways... There's, I could go. I got too many stories to share on that, so we're just going to move on. When it comes to serving and making that choice, this, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. You make a choice whether you consciously choose to or not. Whether you and I get up in the morning and decide that today I'll serve the Lord or not, we make a choice of, of someone or something that we will serve. The reason that Joshua was giving the instructions to the Israelites the way that he was, he said, if you're choosing to serve God, Notice that you are witnesses against yourselves. You have said yes to him. You have said yes to serving him. Throw away the other gods. Make an intentional move and decision to remove the opportunity for you to worship, for you to serve, for you to give attention to any other god. And position yourself for the promise. Position yourself for the plan that God has. Because what happens in our life is this. If we're not consciously making the decision of who it is that we will serve. If we do not constantly make ourselves... If we do not constantly make ourselves aware of serving the one, serving who God has called us to serve, being obedient to the mission that he has given us, we will begin serving any other means to reach the goal of the destination or the promise or the dream that we have in our lives instead of the one 
who gave us the dream, the goal, the promise, the mission in the first place. We must choose who we will serve. God gives you and I a free will and a choice. God didn't deliver the Israelites out of Egypt to force them into slavery with him. He gave them a choice. This was a moment where God was saying, it's your choice. <laughs> you'll serve me or you'll, you'll, you'll serve the other gods and you'll serve the things around you. But if you don't serve me, you miss out on what I have for you. I love that Joshua's response was, you can't serve him. Man, talk about blunt. Talk about in your face, you can't serve him. He's a holy God and he's a jealous God. The point that Joshua was trying to make to them was, this is not a light decision to make. God's intentional about his people. God's intentional about those who say yes to him. When we serve God and we put ourselves in that position, we are saying, Lord, my life, who I am, everything I have, everything I'm responsible for belongs to you. And it's in that moment that we open ourselves up to the blessings of what God has for us. One of the words used to describe um, this, this word serve in the Hebrew, one of the, one of the words, one of the definitions that, give, that is given is a bondservant. <laughs> and if you study, if you look into the, the day of, of this time, a bondservant was someone who had, who had been in service, who had been enslaved to their master, but upon their freedom, upon their release, would come back and commit themselves, commit their life to their master of their own free will and choice. To serve as their bondservant for the rest of their life. And here's the deal. When you come to that, when you come to that level of saying that, if you've, ever, if you've ever prayed that prayer, if you've ever heard that study or, or dove into that, that understanding of what a bondservant is and said yes to Jesus, you are signing yourself up for quite the adventure. And it is crazy at times. <laughs> and a wild ride at times, but the excitement that comes as a result of it, of being in the middle of some of the greatest miracles and encounters with God, far outweigh the rest. If you don't believe me, when we get to heaven, ask Paul. If you don't believe me, when we get to heaven, ask one of the, ask one of the disciples that followed Jesus. Ask some of the men and the women throughout the Word of God who went all in, who chose who they would serve, what God did and how God blessed and how God moved. The beautiful thing about saying yes to Jesus, and I love this, I, I love this and the Lord's been saying it to us over and over and over again. The thing about following Jesus is it's not about living for today or what we can get on this side of eternity, but it's living for eternity and everything God has for us on that side of heaven. There, there are a couple of verses when I, when I was thinking about this, we must choose who we will serve. One, it was in, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about how you can't serve both God and money. You, you can't serve two masters at once. You can serve one, but not the other. And the thing is, is, is a lot of times we want, to make, we want to make this all about rich people versus poor people, so on and so forth. It has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with the verse that we talked about a couple weeks ago. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It's who you're serving in that moment. Serving God or serving money. Serving the means or serving the one who provided. Serving the things of this earth or serving the creator of the things of this earth. It's a decision. You can't serve both and. You can only serve, you, you can only serve one or the other. 
And when we make that decision, we realize what we position ourselves for. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 20, let's go there this morning. Matthew chapter 20. Let's go to verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and that their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus did for us on the cross, what he did through his death and through his resurrection, was the plan of God for his life. Jesus served with his life. He served in full surrender. And what what this verse, what's so powerful about this verse and the understanding of it is, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, is the same as what Jesus has called us to do. If we will choose to serve God, we will position ourselves to experience the fulfillment of his blessing and his promise in our lives. But we have to understand that serving is a sacrifice. Serving is a sacrifice. If you and I are serving someone, if we're serving somebody, then we are sacrificing our time, our energy, sometimes our own money, our own resources, in order to serve that individual or to serve that person. I thank God for people who serve. I thank God to be in a church that has people who serve. There are so many people in this church that serve. So many of you that serve behind the scenes. Nobody else is watching. Nobody else is looking. Nobody else knows what you do, but you serve faithfully week in and week out. Without you, it is impossible to fulfill the mission that God has given us as a church. It's impossible. It takes every single one of us serving in the God-given talents and abilities that God has given us, the the God-given talents and abilities that God has positioned us on this earth for in order to see his mission fulfilled in our lives. It takes every single one. I'm thankful for people that serve. But I know that serving is a sacrifice. There is, there is no way around it. it. Serving will cost you something. That's all there is to it. But can I tell you something? When you and I serve, God always blesses in return. <laughs> I, I decided early on that I would serve. I decided early on that I would serve. That any time that I had that was extra, that I would give it to be able to serve. And so I would spend, I drove my, I drove my pastors and youth pastors and kids pastors crazy. I, Haley, and I, Haley and I were homeschooled. Make a joke and see what happens. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> make a joke. Just make a joke. Go ahead. No, we were, we were, uh, we were homeschooled. And the thing, that I, the thing that I love about that, mom and dad, of course, it was another thing. If you got to hear mom and dad's story, you know, it was just all in with Jesus, whatever he wanted. So every year, every summer, mom and dad would pray and ask the Lord, are we supposed to homeschool our kids this year? Are they supposed to go to school? They, they felt like that was a big deal because um, not everybody should homeschool. Yeah. And not everybody should go to public school. Yeah. All we should do is be obedient. 
because there are, there, are, there are plans that God has for our lives. So you asked, so was, for mom and dad, it was always a matter of asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what is it that you want us to do? And so we were homeschooled. And the thing that I loved about that is, I don't know if you know this, but school can be done in a whole lot shorter time than the full day that kids have today. A whole lot shorter time. And so our schoolwork was done in the morning. So we had the, you know, the lunch hour through the rest of the day where we were free. We were able to do the things that we needed to do. We could do our chores that were around the house. And then we were able to, to do you know, whatever other opportunities that we had. And so I spent a great deal of my time at the church. And the thing that I asked was, what can I do to serve? So I would ask. I'd ask my youth pastor. I'd ask my kids pastor. I'd ask my senior pastor, what do you need done? And, and they would give me some of the sometimes the strangest projects. And I think it was just to get me out of their office, <laughs> which was fine. I knew what they I, I knew. But in those moments, the, the, Lord was, the Lord was teaching me something because in those times of serving, of cleaning out closets, of reorganizing storage spaces, of, of painting, of, of, of weeding out flower beds, of planting stuff, of, I mean, from events and activities to services to those moments, every single one of those moments, God was doing something in my heart. God was, I was having time where I was being able to spend with the Lord. I was getting to serve alongside some incredible men and women who have said yes to Jesus. Those who were uh, staff members of the church and those who were lay leaders in the church, those who were volunteers of just getting to be a part of what it is to love people and serve God and see what God does. Every, t- every single time that we say yes to God and we respond in obedience to what He does, God always, God always takes notice of that. And He always has a plan for, for your life. My parents, as, as you know, they had quit their jobs. We had moved to Arkansas. And so my mom and dad were working um, just small part-time jobs. We didn't have, our family didn't have a lot of money in the sense of, of uh, having money. <laughs> and so <laughs> when, <laughs> when it came time, when it came time for my 16th birthday, and I knew it was a few months away, I asked mom and dad, I said, am I going to be able to get a car? Because since I was little, I've always wanted to drive. Three, I'd climb up in my grandpa's lap and want to, and want to drive. I love driving. I absolutely love it. I drive everybody nuts. <clears throat> I've gotten the car stuck in the yard. I've done, I've done it all. So I love it. And so I asked my mom and dad, I said, am I going to be able to get a car for my 16th birthday so that I can start driving? And, uh, and my mom said, listen, we don't, we don't have any money to buy you a vehicle right now. And so you're just going to have to pray and ask the Lord. We, at the time, we had two cars. My parents had, had been able, they had saved up, and they had been able to buy a vehicle. And the Lord had blessed them um, with another one. A family in our church had given them another little car that my dad was able to drive back and forth to work. So my mom said, we don't have the money. I guess you're going to have to pray about it. So I did. And so I just began praying. I began asking the Lord, God, I believe you. I believe in what you said, and I believe in what you've, what you've called me to do, and I believe that you've, that you've positioned me for, for such a time to serve, and so I'm just trusting you with this. My 16th birthday, I got up, and there was a 98 Chevy Blazer four-wheel drive that was sitting in my driveway with a yellow bow on top. The family that gave the vehicle to me called my parents and asked if they could give me the car, and they said, the Lord put this on our heart to do this because of Connor's service to the king. When you serve, God provides. When you serve, God makes a way. My first vehicle, I didn't pay for. My first vehicle, my parents didn't pay for. God paid for it. Their obedience to say yes, my willingness to serve, all of those things positioned me for what God wanted to do. All the glory and the credits to Him. 
But there's, the, there's no doubt that when you and I say yes to Jesus and we follow him and we trust him, that he, A, always provides, and that, B, he always blesses those who faithfully serve him. He will meet every need that you and I have. He will meet every need that you and I have in our life. I can't tell you how many youth trips were paid for by different people, by different families in our church who God put it on their heart to pay for it. My mom and dad didn't have the money. I would immediately go and start working jobs, and I wouldn't get halfway through for the first set of jobs that I had lined up to work, and I would get a phone call from my youth pastor, your trip's been paid for. The Lord makes a way when we say yes to what he has for our life, we just have to choose who we will serve. Amen? Amen. Secondly, this morning, secondly, this morning, we have to, in every, in every area of our life, in every position of our life, we have to refuse to settle by serving with all faithfulness. We have to refuse to settle by serving with all faithfulness. Tell your neighbor, refuse to settle. I'm convinced that one of the greatest things that the enemy will use to keep you and I back from seeing the things that God wants to do come to pass is causing us to settle. Because more oftentimes than not in the church, we pray and we seek and we fast until we get just enough. And we go after the things that God has for us when we have that need. Serving the Lord with all faithfulness is with every part, with every means, with every availability to say yes to who He is and continuing to do so no matter what. It's making the decision to refuse to settle for anything else than God's plan, for God's will, for God's purposes in our lives, in our families, in our finances, in our church, in our city, in this nation, and around the world. I refuse to settle for anything else than what God's word says about my life. I refuse to settle for anything else than what God says about my family, what God says about my finances, what God says about my, my job, what God says about my church. When we make the decision to say yes to what God has for us, we also have to make the decision that we refuse to settle for anything less than what God's word says and what he's promised us. Daniel chapter 3 introduces a powerful moment where three men refuse to settle. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they had been renamed, taken from captivity in Jerusalem into the kingdom of Babylon and brought out of everything that they had been raised, the culture, the foundation of who God was, of what he had planned, the promises, the principles. They had been brought into a country where God had planned and had positioned them to... to to remove, the enemy's attempt was to erase their heritage, to erase the things that God had set foundationally in their life. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and another guy named Daniel, I don't know if you've heard of him, these four young men made a decision that they would refuse to settle and that they would serve God with all faithfulness. That while they were in captivity, they would honor the king, that they would honor those that were in authority over their life, but that they would not settle for serving any other God or man than the God of all gods and the king of all kings. They made a decision that they would not bow down and that they would not worship anything else 
They refused to settle. Can I tell you, there will be moments in our life where we will refuse to settle, that if we are not careful, if we are not careful, the enemy will use the, the response of the situation, the outcome, the consequence of the situation against us to, in fear, cause us to settle. It is easier for us to sit by and watch as the world goes by than it is to step up and take action on the things that God has called us to. Because when we say yes to the Lord, there will be conflict. Do you know why? Because all around you and I, there is a battle that is raging on. There is a battle, a waging war that is taking place around you and I, where the enemy of darkness and the kingdom of heaven is at war, fighting for your soul, fighting for the souls of those around you, fighting to defeat the kingdom of heaven, fighting to stop the plan of God. It's why, it's why we pray. It's why Jesus taught us to pray on a regular basis. God, your kingdom come and your will be done. It's the reason why we pray daily. It's the reason why we seek the face of God first. It's why we run after him with unstoppable determination. It's why we make the decision to choose. Because despite what the enemy wants to do, we refuse to settle for anything less than what God has spoken and what he's established in our life. If you know this story in Daniel chapter 3, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has built this giant gold statue of himself. And he has commanded all of the people to come and to worship. When they hear the sound of the music, to come and to fall down and worship this golden image. Or if you ever watch the movie VeggieTales, the giant chocolate bunny. <laughs> Any of y'all ever seen that, VeggieTales? The chocolate bunny? Austin's singing the bunny song right now. You know, <laughs> Lord help me. Forgive me for all the times, Lord, that I've chose chocolate over you. Jesus, help me, Lord. <laughs> so King Nebuchadnezzar has put this order in place, and he's established, he's established this order for, for everyone to fall in worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, no. No, 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 because what you're asking me to do is to serve another god. What you're asking me to do is to compromise. The enemy always wants you and I to settle for the counterfeit. The enemy always wants you and I to settle for the counterfeit. Because if he can get you and I to settle for the counterfeit, he thinks he's got us. Now the beautiful thing about God is the moments when we do settle for the counterfeit, he's good about bringing it to our attention. But the enemy, if he can get you and I to settle for the counterfeit, he can, he can, he can do everything within his means through that to rob God's plan from being complete in your life. Here, here's, here's the beautiful thing that happens. In Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, we, we see the response of, of these men. Daniel chapter 3, verse number... Let's, go, let's do verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, God will serve, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. These three men made a decision that they refused to worship and they refused to settle for anything else, even if it cost them their lives. The king had ordered that if anybody refused to bow down and worship the golden image that was set in front of him, then they would be thrown into a blazing furnace. So they would be thrown into the fire. Just like the enemy. And what happens in this moment is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego make a decision that they refuse to settle. They refused to settle for the counterfeit. 
Well, if you'll just bow down and worship, then you can live. If you'll just settle, if you'll just give up, if you'll just give in, if you'll just wave the white flag of surrender, then, it won't, then, then we, won't, we won't hold this against you. You can, just, you can just go on your way and you can continue to live your life. Understand that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been given and had been placed in high position within the kingdom. They had, been, they had been given the opportunity to eat from the king's table, which was such a high reward, which was such a, a high status. They had been given access to resources that many in the kingdom had not. All of that was not enough to keep them from changing their mind on the decision that they had made to serve the one. They refused to settle, and they told the king, I love the response to the king, we don't need to defend ourselves to you in this matter. We spend more time arguing with the enemy than we have to. <laughs> I don't have to argue with the enemy. I know what God's word says, and I know what his promise is. And as the, as the psalmist said, God is my defender. So all I need to do is remind you of what the word says. The response of these three men was exactly that. It was, it was, we don't need to defend ourselves to you in this matter, but just so you know, just so that you're aware, just so that you know, we will not bow down and worship or serve any other gods. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you tell, when you tell a king what you're going to do, it's kind of like telling your mom and dad what you're going to do when they told you what they were going to do. You ever, you ever seen that look they get in their eye? Mom and dad told you this is what you're going to do, and you look at them and say, no. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I, love, I love watching when a, when a, when a I'll, I'll never forget the first time I saw Titus look at his mom and tell him no. I didn't know she could look like that. <laughs> it's the mom look. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. To tell someone in authority no is a brave move, especially when your life is on the line. These men refused to settle for anything else. Verse number 19, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. What is it that we do when we're faced with the blazing furnaces in our lives? What is it that we do when we face the impossible situation that's in front of us? We've said yes to Jesus, but in all of our moments of saying yes to God, we're still faced with a raging fire. In all of our obedience to the Lord, we still find ourselves bound. We still find ourselves being criticized. We still find ourselves being attacked. When we've said yes to what God has said, and yes to what God has planned, and yes to what God has positioned, our response in every single one of those moments, when we've gotten the Word report of the worst, the impossible of the impossible, is to respond to the Lord and say, God, you are the only one that I serve. And whether I live or whether I die, whether I make it, in, make it through this fire to the other side, or whether my life is taken in this moment, whether this situation, this circumstance, this season, or this difficulty takes me, I refuse to be moved because I know the one that I serve is greater than the fire that's in front of me. I don't know what the fire is in your life today. I don't know 
what the impossibility is in front of you today. I don't know what the enemy has brought against you today. But before you and I decide to settle, before we decide to give in, before we decide to compromise, before we decide to accept the counterfeit, before we decide to look at the fire and say it's just too hot and it's just too big, can we remember that our God is the God of the fire, that our God is the God of the storm, that our God is the God of the impossible, that He's the one that created the heavens and the earth, that there is no match, there is no name, there is no force that is greater than His, that even if the fire takes me, it must have been part of His plan, because when I walk through that fire, even if it burns me up, I'm going to an eternal reward, where I walk on streets of gold with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If I'm going out of this world, then I'm going ahead to everything that God has for me. What happens when the church refuses to be scared of the fire? What happens when the church refuses to be scared of the impossible? What happens when we refuse to settle for the counterfeit? When we get on our faces and we cry out to God and we pray, even when we know that there's a den of lions that may be waiting with our name on it? What happens when we begin to worship, when we begin to fast, when we begin to seek God with everything that we have? What happens? The world begins to change. This church, you and I, we've been called like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Daniel, to refuse to settle, to refuse to give in, to refuse to let the fire, to refuse to let the lions, to refuse to let the lies of the enemy hold us back from God's plan and His purpose in our life. I'm not settling for the counterfeit. The devil can't have my family. He can't have your marriage. He can't have your finances. He can't have the plan of God for your life. Refuse to settle by serving with all faithfulness. Even if I die. Paul's words, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Thirdly, this morning, when we only serve the one. Thirdly, we experience the promise of serving the one. When you look at these verses from Daniel chapter 3, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, servants of the Most High God, servants of the Most High God. I'm putting the enemy on notice this morning. I'm a servant of the Most High God. I'm putting the enemy on notice this morning. My church is full of servants of the Most High God. We've been placed in position for such a time as this. There's not a fire big enough. There's not a struggle strong enough. There's not a devil big enough to hold us back from the promises of what God has said and what He's established in our lives. Because even in the fire... He's there. Even in the storm, He's there. Even in the impossibility, He's there. In every struggle, in every season, in every moment, He's there. He said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. Didn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find out on that day that God is who He says He is, and that He'll do what He said He would do? The fire that's in front of you may look big. The struggle that's in front of you may look impossible. But friends, can I tell you, it may just be the thing that gets the king, the most powerful man in the land, to say, you servant of the Most High God. Your, your season has a purpose. 
Your struggle has a purpose. Your process has a purpose. Don't curse it. Don't, 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 don't try to get out of it. Don't try to settle. Don't try to compromise. Trust the Lord. As the psalmist said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. I trust in my God. I trust in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because whether I live or I die in this fire, I win. Tell your neighbor, you win. Tell your neighbor, you win. Tell your neighbor, you win. Say it like you mean it this morning. Tell him, you win. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, <laughs> So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps and the perfects and the governors and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. <laughs> There was no smell of fire on them. Can I tell you that when God gets done with you and when God gets done with me, that not even the smell of the fire that you're walking through will be on you when you come out on the other side to the glory of the King. This fight that I'm in, this struggle that I'm against, it's all to the glory of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I've got a reason to worship. I've got a reason to sing. I've got a reason to praise. I've got a reason to rejoice because I serve the one. I feel like preaching this morning. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, friends, the fire that you're in and the struggle that you're up against right now is only producing a God-sized encounter and moment that will change the life of not just one, not just two, not just three, but hundreds and thousands because of your willingness, because of my willingness to say yes to what God has called us to. It may just be that this fire is the fire that will cause the nations of the earth to take notice of who is the God of all gods and the creator of heaven and earth to experience His love, His grace, His mercy, and His salvation. The problems, the seasons, and the storms for those of us who have said yes to serving the One are only a part of the masterpiece plan that God has established in order to bring His kingdom into this earth and to see His will be accomplished in our lives. Experience the power of the promises of God. It's in that moment that we begin to experience the transformation. And then, did you see what God did? Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had been thrown into the fire to be killed. And instead, God promoted them. <laughs> when you say yes to God, I said when you say yes to God, don't be surprised that when you get on the other side of the fire that heaven has a promotion for you. Because when you say yes to Jesus, God will promote you and position you in every place He needs you to be in order to continue seeing His kingdom come and His will being done. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went from being those who were against the king to being the ones that the king had issued a new decree on their behalf. That if you even say anything against God, that you'd be cut into pieces and your houses turned into rubble. 
before, before, before you, you could only worship the God that the king had set up. But now if you even speak against the God of all gods, what does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in my life? What does He want to do in and through this church? Who will we serve? If we'll trust Him, He'll fulfill His word. Austin, Haley, y'all come. I'm going to keep preaching. <laughs> I, 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 could, I could keep on. I, I better not. <clears throat> Something happens when we worship, when we serve the one. Serve the one. It ain't always going to make sense. It won't, easy, it won't always be easy. But can I tell you, God will bless you in ways that you never thought possible. Anything you lose, anything you sacrifice, anything you give up on this side of heaven, God has a reward for you that far outweighs what this world could give. I use those verses where, where, Jesus talks about, where Jesus talks about money because it oftentimes represents the treasure of our life. We, and especially in our country, we're so bad about chasing things. <laughs> we chase things. We ch if I have this, if I have this kind of car, if I have this kind of house, if I have this kind of job, if I have this kind of position, then I'm, this is who I am. If I, if I can afford that vacation or if I can afford that clothing, that clothing brand or if I can afford this or if I can do that or if I can go here or if I can go there. And we chase after all these things that are eventually going to be worth absolutely nothing. Nothing. They're worth nothing. Does that mean you can't ever have nice things? Absolutely not. I'm firmly convinced that if you follow Jesus, he'll bless your socks off. I'm, I firmly believe that. I believe, listen, it, take, listen it, takes, it takes the money of this world to fulfill the kingdom of God and the plans that he has, but you have to understand that's not the world's money, it's his. <laughs> you say yes to Jesus and God will bless your socks off. I can testify I am a witness to the blessings of heaven. And I'm thankful every single day for what I have. But I know it all belongs to Him. It all belongs to Him. If the enemy can get you and I to chase the things of this world, then he can keep our attention and our focus off the one that we're called to serve. And we will serve everything else but God. Don't serve your dreams. Don't serve your goals. Don't serve your mission. Serve the one who has given all of those things. And in the moments it doesn't make sense, be obedient and trust Him. Trust Him. I can't help but think, wouldn't, wouldn't it have been a good argument for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Wouldn't it have been a great argument for them to say, now Lord, aren't we worth more to you alive than we are dead? I mean, we are in, in, we are in positions of authority in the government. We do have places. We do have audiences with the king. You know, isn't it better for us to be alive to be able to talk to the king than it is for us to be dead? Then who will speak? Isn't that just how the enemy wants you and I to compromise? Well, God, aren't I worth more alive than I am dead? God, isn't this problem, isn't this situation, isn't this difficulty, wouldn't it just be better if you just did this? Then I wouldn't have to worry about that. Friends, can I tell you, if we're never willing to trust the Lord and to trust His plan, if we're never willing to give it all, to sacrifice and, and, and full surrender to what He has, we will miss out on the God-sized moments like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. 
And can I tell you what our world needs now more than ever is a God-sized encounter. What our world needs today more than anything is a God-sized encounter. We can try 15 million different ways, but if it ain't His way, we're going to miss out on experiencing the promise of serving the one. I trust His plan. I trust His timing. I trust His promise.